This week on Media Delta. Wizardry Proving Grounds of the Mad Overlord was one of the very first computer RPGs developed all the way back in the first years of the 1980s. It was designed as a way to experience the gameplay of Dungeons & Dragons, but in a way you can play through a computer, and also by yourself. It served as a massive influence on future computer RPGs developed worldwide. While Wizardry was popular in its home region of the United States, it achieved mind-boggling popularity in Japan, where the franchise happens to live on to this day, even though in the West, the franchise died in the early 2000s. It did get popularity in its release in Japan through the 8-bit computers. Its main source of popularity was the Famicom released, developed by Game Studio, which was founded by ex-Namco employees. Almost a decade after the game's original release in the United States, an OVA was released in Japan to ride on the popularity of the Famicom version. How well can an RPG with very minimal story translate it into an animated space? Let's see, as we take a look at Wizardry, the OVA. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Media Delta, uh, where we talk about uh, movies and other things that are based on games that we have ranked during Retro Rank Rhapsody. Uh, this one is kind of actually one of the things that I wanted to show off, like one of the things that kind of inspired me to actually do this series, uh, because it's one of those things that you didn't think would actually exist, and considering what it is, actually when you see what it is, it actually makes perfect sense where it came from, uh, because what we are talking about this week is an OVA that is based on Wizardry Proving Ground of the Mad Overlord, specifically the Famicom release, which it's always fascinating to see how huge Wizardry got in Japan. Um, just even though it was like a very Western developed, it was like one of the first CRPGs, like proper Western ones, and it's just made, I got a huge following in Japan. And the release of it to the Famicom, uh, I guess, spurred a new interest. Uh, there was some interest in when it came out to older computers, but the Famicom release apparently was the one in, that really got it popular. Uh, also, mainly because it was there was a really good team behind it. It was done by uh, Game Studio, which is the studio that was founded by former Namco head, or not head, uh, former Namco developer uh, Masanobu Endo, who... Uh, his famous works are Xevious and uh, Japan's favorite game, uh, the Tower of Jawaga, which importing wizardry makes a lot of sense, actually. So anyway, uh, I will not be the only one who is talking about this because with me, I have two other people who also watched it. And let's introduce them in alphabetical order. Hi, this is Carnival again. <sighs> Sorry for weird timing issues. My internet was having a f weird moment. It happens. Also, hi, I'm Torpo, and this was not actually what I expected. Yeah, because um, it, it's also weird to think of a wizardry OVA because there really isn't a whole lot of plot in wizardry. Basically, it is the mad over or the mad overlord Tre Trebor. Uh, Basically, wants you to get his amulet that was stolen by the evil wizard Wordna. That's practically it. That really is all the plot from the original. So, um, it's also weird to think about because I wonder how many people would have picked up, or in Japan, would have picked up on 
the wonderful naming scheme of both Trevor and Wardena. Yeah. But, so, chat, it's 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 not Trevor, it's Trevor, because it's Robert backwards, and Wardena is Andrew backwards. Fuck. Yes. Yes, because Trevor is named after Robert Woodhead, which ironically or interestingly enough would go on to find or found his own anime studio of Anime Ego. Uh, did not touch this at all. Oh, that'd be very interesting if they did. Uh, and then the other one was uh, Andrew Greenberg, who uh, is now, I believe, an attorney in Florida. What? Yeah, okay. I think, think that's the last thing that he ended up doing. Or at least he, he definitely did not stick in games. But yeah, uh, that is, that's basically all the plot of the game. But uh, with them doing an OVA, uh, they kind of expand, had to expand the plot. And to get to, uh, to get the Wizardry OVA made, uh, that was uh, the work of the director. And the director for this uh, this OVA was one uh, Shunya Fujiyuka. I believe is how you'd pronounce that. Uh, interestingly enough, this is their only work. <laughs> I'm not um, surprised. And yeah, this uh, air, this came out. Uh, I believe this, this seems like it would be a direct to video kind of thing. It came out on February 21st, 1991. Uh, there doesn't, the studio that was behind it was TMS entertainment. Uh, it was kind of a, kind of a somewhat major studio. Uh, they are a, I mostly know them for being the animation studio behind a lot of Western-based cartoons. I believe they worked on some Tiny Toons, I think on Animaniacs as well. That sounds correct. But yeah, they did a whole lot of... They were kind of an outsourcing thing mostly, but they did do some stuff in their home their home land of Japan. Um, and also the writers for this were Kenji Kodama and uh, Yu Terashima. Um, I don't believe that either. I believe they both also, uh, this was like one of the only other works that they worked on. I believe Kenji Kodama worked on another anime series. I don't think it was a really major one. Uh, Yu Terashima, uh, worked on this. And also he was an episode writer for an anime called, uh, Bugete Honey, which oddly enough is another video game franchise or video game based, uh, anime thing. Uh, except it was based on, uh, uh, Takahashi Mason, uh, aka the guy who uh, Master Higgins is inspired by in uh, Adventure Island. So it was basically a major Hudson advertisement, and maybe we actually might look at that one point if I can ever find it. But yes, uh, also, uh, real quick, studio that made this most important thing they've ever done is Alf the animated series. Oh, perfect. That sounds uh, about also right. Batman the animated series. They are responsible for. Okay, then that that has truly. Yeah, that's actually important. What are you yes. talking about? <laughs> How dare you? So yes, uh, that is who ended up making this. So uh, what exactly is this about? Um, it has the same general plot of the thing. It's basically... So this actually opens in a cold open um, where we are introduced to kind of the three main people, I guess. Uh, you have... Uh, you have Alex, who is basically this blonde-haired kind of... He looks like if... He would kind of look like he would basically be a... Like a paladin-looking guy. He's long... Almost like Shin from... Uh, if you think of Shin from Fist of the North Star. Long blonde hair, kind of blue dress. Just uses a sword. 
He looks kind of, uh, it looks like he is either a basic fighter using the wizardry classes, which we'll get to, we'll get to, uh, how this OVA handles in game mechanics in a bit. But, um, yes, we are introduced to Alex, who was voiced by Keiichi, uh, it's Keiichi Namba, who didn't really seem to have any major roles that I could tell, um, it was he did a lot of work. It's just a lot of it. I don't think it was stuff that came over here. And if he worked on anything major, like any major franchise, he was mostly just supporting characters. I couldn't really figure out who he was. But he did a pretty good job. No complaints there. Um, there's also Shin, who is kind of almost looks like as generic of an RPG character as you can get. Kind of brown hair, kind of uh, just dude, like relatively skinny. Like, he looks like a standard JRPG protagonist. Um, Dude in armor. Yes, and we'll find out what his class is later, apparently. Uh, but it's mm, not apparent to begin with. Still questionable. Yes. Yeah. It's because, and I'll get, we'll talk we'll about that in a sec. But yes. Uh, then you have probably the better of the three characters, uh, who is Hawkwind, uh, who is a ninja. Uh, and... Which kind of sets that I'm guessing that this is an evil neutral party because that is the only you can't have a good ninja in wizardry. At least I'm pretty sure you can't. I think ninjas are great. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, they are great uh, because what their main ability is is to in the game is to decapitate enemies, which he only does in the OVA, and it's great. It's really good. Yeah, it's feast famine. I think he kills one person. Or one creature that's not a decapitation, and it's no, it's it's not that. It's at one fight at the very end, he tries to hurt someone, and it doesn't work. All right. Uh, also, going back to Shin for a moment, uh, it is actually kind of interesting because he is voiced by Toshio Furukawa, who uh, did have some major voice, like some major voices. Uh, he is Ataru from Yurusei Yatsura, so he's oh. kind of the main character from that. Uh, Jesus. Also, Piccolo. <laughs> yeah, that, that works. Um, so then, yeah, and Hawkwind is voiced by Tesho Genda, who uh, his most recent work, apparently, he is now the new voice of Shenlong from Dragon Ball Properties. Just see. Uh, also, apparently, he was the voice of Dan Destin in The Big O. Huh. That was kind of the other. That was kind of the main things that I saw. But yes, those are our three. So the the OVA opens with them uh, getting into kind of. They're basically they're literally doing a treasure haul. They're like doing a what you would do in the game. You would do a run to get XP and to get money so they can go further down the dungeon. Like that is literally what they're doing. They even say that as such. Um, mm-hmm. because after they're done or they find a treasure chest and after they're done or they're done, they go to Gilgamesh's tavern that you see in the games, um, where they are, you know, doing taverny stuff in an old fantasy setting that you do. And also like, good real quick. My favorite thing about them bringing that chest in and getting it appraised is it was this chest full of gold coins and jewels and fucking valuable rarities and they fucking value it at, at 250 gold. Yeah. They are obviously being cheated out. Which or, is the, the, I, or the other thing is, maybe that's all that's left after expenses. 
I mean, I was going to say also this city is like flush with treasure hunters and treasure being brought back. So it's probably highly devalued at this point. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, that is kind of the main occupation of a lot of the people in that tavern was to go into the dungeon, kill some monsters and get treasure. That's all they do there in, uh, it's great too because they even establish like nobody's really trying to get through to the end of the dungeon because it wouldn't be profitable yes <laughs> it would all be out of a job yes because there is a person that is in the tavern basically yelling at everyone calling them all cowards because they will not actually do the thing that the that people are supposed to be going to the dungeon for which is to get the amulet and someone goes into a big backstory about how there is like basically the the history of Wordland and Trebor, basically that they are old war buddies that eventually broke apart. Um, so uh, after they're done with that, uh, they decide, oh hey, let's let's just go back into the dungeon, uh, which they go via elevator. Which Lord bless whoever did the the subtitling for. The version that we found, which uh, this is kind of hard to find, so we found a copy on YouTube. Um, so whoever did the subtitles for this uh, must have also been a fan of the games, because every little time, every time that they cast a spell, use an item, come across an, or use an item or come across an item, there is a subtitle that is saying what spell it is, what item it is, what it is in the game, like what it does in the game, and how it correlates to the anime in very great detail. And the best part is it flashes by so quick you can't read all of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 there's there's a lot of things that, like, OV, like, especially media that is based on, like, games do. You either have the side that is the Captain N side, in which they have a very casual glance of the game. So you just take a look at, like, the box art and say, oh, I kind of get what this is about. And then just make a game or make a show off of it. Or you have wizardry, which you take it to the most literal sense of featuring, like making sure everything is as close to the game as humanly possible. And it's kind of fascinating to see. I feel um, like it works because of that, though. It does. Um, yeah. It's actually, it is actually fairly charming um, about it. Um, and uh, yeah, so after they get have some fun time in the bar, they go into the dun uh, dungeon again. Uh, where they're almost immediately uh, attacked by zombies, um, which comes across another thing that I was kind of surprised about this thing. Uh, this OVA is that surprisingly gory. It like, is incredibly gory. Yeah. Um, yeah. It well, is. I hope lots you love of, your fallen heads because you're gonna see a lot of them. Yes, lots of fallen heads. Uh, people split open. In other things, we'll get to, but yes. Uh, so after they get into this fight with zombies and like the ninja or high or Hawkwind uh, decapitates about five zombies, uh, they come across uh, two other adventurers. Uh, they come across a um, a wizard whose name is Josea, <laughs> and a who I'm assuming is either a gnome or hobbit in gameplay standpoints. We don't. It's not exactly clear what his class is. Thought he was a gnome. I'm pretty sure. But it yeah. seems like he is more gnome-ish, um, but I think they mean for him to be a clay priest. 
Yeah. Well, the old man was definitely a, a priest. Well, the old man uses both healing and attack magic, so it is oh, likely yeah, that a, he is supposed to be a bishop. Bishop, bishop or... I forgot what the other thing they rolled. He, he was as. definitely a bishop, though. Like, this is pretty well established from all the shit he did. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, they come across them. Uh, jo- like, Juza... It's also weird to see, because the... Transliteration on the subtitling is kind of questionable at certain points. Um, I believe his name's supposed to be Josea, uh, but so it kind of uses it or says it as either Juza or some other thing. Um, he is basically the wise old wizard that he apparently was also uh, in league with Trebor and Wordna, and that they were old war buddies. And basically, he uh, knows what Wordna is trying to do with the amulet. Basically, he's trying to use it to, you know, do the take over, take over the world kind of thing. Basically, get unlimited power. Yeah. That's... Also, the gnome is his apprentice. Yes. Yeah, that's definitely it. And the gnome, whose name is Albert. Uh, also, so I looked up, since we were talking about the voice actors for the others. So, Juza has an interesting, or his voice actor has an interesting kind of background. Uh, his The voice actor is Ichiro Nagai. Uh, things that he did. He is the left hand from Vampire Hunter D. Uh, oh. He he was also Haposai from Ranma One Half, <laughs> Corin from Dragon Ball, and the narrator of Record of Lotus War, which I felt was fitting. Huh. So yeah, uh, he has done uh, some stuff. Uh, Albert, whose voice actor is Yoku Shio. It's S H I O Y A. So Shio Shioya. Chioya? Yeah, Chioya, I think. Uh, he, he actually, uh, he was Jinpei the Swallow in the original runs of Gachaman. Uh, and also, really? also Shibuya from Perfect Blue, uh, who is the director of the show. Uh, <laughs> oh my fucking god. Which I felt, I normally would not have mentioned that, but that is a really interesting dynamic between those two roles. Doesn't just, help that we watched that movie very recently. <laughs> yeah, him being in Perfect Blue in general is just more of a very departure yeah in tone but yes uh so yeah albert is he's kind of your not swarmy but he is your kind of not quite kid like kid analog but he is the kind of almost comic relief i guess um yes and no they do still play him pretty seriously but yeah yeah so also when they end up meeting him, they end up like casting a magic seal on the ground. So they, they, you see Juza draw this giant pentagram on the ground where they all sit together in like a circle uh, to protect them from the monsters as they rest. So I guess kind of trying to do the camping thing that you do in game, although there really isn't a major, like you don't have to do that in game. You just kind of sit there for a second. But uh, yeah, that is where they kind of go into the backstory of the kind of the OVA and how it differs from the game. Uh, but after that, uh, we're, or Juza uh, apparently has on him a blue ribbon, which the blue ribbon is actually a very plot critical point. Like Wizardry 1 did not have that much in terms of thing, like plot beats that you had to go to in order to beat the game. Uh, one of the major ones was to get the blue ribbon because uh, as they show... Uh, in the actual OVA, uh, the blue ribbon is required in order to get to the uh, elevator, which takes you down to the lower levels. 
uh, which is exactly what they do with the blue ribbon. In fact, you see this little montage of uh, them all standing in the elevator and them going by floor after floor and like them actually taunting some of the monsters on the floor. And I think one doesn't one of them like actually get into the elevator itself. I believe so. But yes, uh, there is that. Or no, one of them like casts a fireball and it hits Albert and he does the whole like turn to black, like smoke, puffs of smoke kind of thing. Although he doesn't really take any harm from it. Um, so yeah, uh, they get to a lower floor. They don't exactly say which one, uh, but it seemingly from what they're fighting, it is a much lower floor. Um, so probably like nine, eight, nine or 10. So when they end, end up getting out of the elevator, uh, pretty much immediately, uh, they hear a scream of a lady and they're like, Oh, ah. Hey, uh, or no, uh, actually from what they come out of the elevator, they go basically right into like five dead, five dead bodies. Like basically, and there was, they were like messed up because there was one dude who's like ripped in half. Like you just see the top half of the guy, like all his guts on the floor. And there was a dude in the background who was stabbed with like six swords. And uh, basically like, okay, whoever this part, this party is gone. Like uh, they um, don't, uh, they, they're just beyond help. Uh, However, they kind of noticed that with them, it seems like they are missing, like there was evidence that there was actually someone left in the party, um, which they managed to figure out is a lady by namely that she, you hear her scream and uh, you see her uh, kind of cuts to her fighting two monsters. And, uh, and basically they hear the scream and they do the protagonist thing of going to go help her out. Uh, and one of the monsters that she is fighting uh, is a kind of jester looking demon, which I don't think there is an analog for in game. This name Flack. Uh, he is definitely some sort of demon, but he is also wearing kind of a jester outfit. So I don't know exactly what he's doing. Uh, one key thing about Flack that I'd like to point out is his voice actor, uh, who is Ryusei Nakao, uh, who we were, when I was kind of listening to him, like, God, his voice sounds familiar. Uh, and that is because it is the voice actor of Frieza from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> That's right. You're uh, right. Oh who is doing the Frieza voice almost exactly. 100% like this second you said that everyone knew. Holy shit, you're right. Yes. Um. So, yes, they are fighting this jester. Uh, and that is where you find out that the lady, who we later find out her name is Sheila, uh, is a wizard. Uh, because she uses various kinds of attack magic where she, like, she is, um, like, I know she casts an ice spell, at, I believe, in that fight where she takes out two monsters pretty quickly. Um, which, Sheila, just to point out, uh, her voice actress is uh, Keiko Toda. Uh, there, she... Probably hasn't done anything. She actually apparently is actually a Japanese TV star or TV uh, actress uh, because oh. she was in apparently a lot of TV shows that I could not understand or that did not like I couldn't recognize them. And I definitely could tell that they were not like anime names. Like they actually uh, sounded like Japanese TV names. Also, Sheila is the single most fucking competent character in the entire OVA. Uh, yeah. That is true. Uh, the one other thing, the one anime that I did note that she was a voice actress in is she is played the role of Hitomi Kisugi uh, from Cat's Eye. 
Uh, she was so she was the main person in Cat's Eye, which is an anime that I kind of like, even though it is like basically the most stereotypical '80s anime you could think of. Maybe I don't know if there's any games on that, but we might have to come across that at one point. It is a very catchy theme song. But anyway, um, so yeah, they get into the fight with Flack, um, but unfortunately, so basically, I think it is either I think Alex gets an upper hand on it. Uh, and right before, um, they kill or they like, right, like Alex or yeah, I think Alex is going to kill him. Sheila kind of crawl or yells out that, Hey, don't kill him. And then they kill him. Uh, because, uh, Sheila wanted to keep Flack alive because she wanted to know, uh, more information about the reason why she is actually in the, um, kind of in the dungeon. Um, and that is basically that, uh, she is in the dungeon to find Randy, who is basically her boyfriend. <laughs> uh, we will get to Randy, Randy in a moment. Uh, so at this point we actually get a cut to, uh, t- to actually go into lair with Wordna, um, Wordna who, um, Wordna is talk is sitting in kind of a room where he's working on basically a gauntlet. Like he is putting on like the massive like okay, I'm definitely the big bad villain armor on, even though he is a basically an old wizard himself. Um Wordna, I don't feel so good. Which yeah, only it is almost the infinite infinity gauntlet that he's putting on. <laughs> um straight up. Uh but which is actually fitting because Wordna is voice acted by Kenji Utsumi, whose voice, let's see, he has some good, good powerful roles, uh, namely Volgan, uh, from Metal Gear Solid 3, uh, Rao, from Fist of the North Star, uh, <laughs> Alex Armstrong, from uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Jesus. Uh, he is oh apparently also a voice actor for Shenlong. I believe he was the older voice of Shenlong. Um, he was also just a point of interest. Uh, he was Cyborg 008 from the original Cyborg 008, oh. aka, AKA the, the one that came out in the early 60s. Jeez. So he was a veteran at that point. Um, so, yeah. Also, I feel with mentioning Wordna just looks like you're just really generic evil wizard type. I, I mean, that is what he looks like in game, so it's very fitting. Yeah. Um,. So yes, uh, there is that. Um, and the vampire lord who looks uh, basically like... He looks a lot like Judah from... Uh, or is it Jet? No, he looks like Jeddah from uh, Darkstalkers. See, I was going to say he's like a borderline David Bowie. Yeah, kind of. Yes, voicing uh, a lot of muscle-bound boys is a good way to put it. Chufty lads. Uh, yeah. I uh, just briefly taking a look at uh, the voice actor. So just to know the voice actor for um, uh, the vampire Lord is uh, Yukimasa Kishino. Uh, he, the things that he voiced in, uh, he apparently has done a lot of dragon or he did a few dragon ball voice, dragon ball Z voices. Uh, he was the voice of King Vegeta. He is apparently the announcer in the cell games. Uh, he was apparently Tao Pai Pai, who showed up in Dragon Ball Z at one point, even though I don't remember that. 
Yeah, he's in a lot of supporting characters. None doesn't look like anything major, though. But yes, uh, that is the Vampire Lord. Um. Anyway, uh, with that, after we have a brief discussion saying, oh, hey, uh, there is some intruders in the, la- the labyrinth. And basically, we're just like, oh, I know exactly how to deal with them. Uh, go send Randy. Have Randy deal with it. Randy. And yeah, uh, and then cut from there uh, to go into everyone's favorite part of a uh, dungeon crawler. Uh, that is going into a teleporter maze. No. Which they show it's like, oh, hey, it's a maze that it's like you can go through the mirrors and all that. So they kind of dick around in that for like five minutes. Uh, but then they come across Randy. Who Randy. is holding the Muramasa blade, which Jesus. is just just Hanzo seal that makes him glow blue. And, and has laser beams. Yeah, it, 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 it is. It basically is, oh, what? It's basically, uh, you know, the thing like, um, I'm trying to think of what other thing had that same thing. Where basically you just slash the blade and there's just a big slash. Sword just beams. Comes after, yeah, sword beam. Like if you think about like, say, um, if you've gotten the Master Sword in Breath of the Wild, uh, it acts kind of like that almost. Or I would imagine that it would work in Sci- uh, Skyward Sword, even though I hadn't played that. If that had, yeah, it's a moonlight greatsword, essentially. Yeah. Also, the Miramasa blade is the actual most powerful sword in the game. Yes. So that is also true. The game. Uh, it is the most powerful sword. Um, has like it was like a th- so wizardry uh, dice rolls because since wizardry was basically an attempt to make a video game based on Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, they included like all weapons have dice rolls, uh, but the thing is, since it's a video game, they can have like insane theoretical dice rolls. And I think like the Muramasa blade has like a three d five plus like eleven for an attack's power. Um, and basically, it is a weapon that only samurai's class can use, and it has a use ability so that if you use it as an item, uh, it would give you one to your strength which is actually pretty big in wizardry. Um, so yes. Uh, so he, they come across him. They have that. They realize that this guy is powerful and Shin definitely realizes that it is powerful because in a attempt, basically Randy is like super possessed and like his eyes are glowing and he is just doing nothing but shouting. Uh, takes a slight or takes a slash at uh, uh, Sheila and uh Shin jumps in the way to catch it, knocks her away, uh, however, ends up losing his arm in the process. Um, so he is out of that fight. Uh, it's in, fine. It's uh, fine. And then everyone else is trying to deal with him. Uh, and then uh, basically somewhat losing, and then Sheila is trying to talk Randy out of it all the time where Randy is doing nothing but shouting. Um, and mm. basically it gets to the point where Randy is like, Sheila knows that Randy's not going to listen to him. Basically, uh, she sees on him like this um, necklace that she made him. So you realize that, oh, he's wearing that even though he was in here and still possessed. Um, Sheila realizes that he is not going to break through with that. uh, Decides to end the fight almost immediately 
by using the most powerful spell in the game, tilt weight which they straight up have like the thing where it's like, she starts to cast it and Juice is over to the side talking to Albert. It's like, oh, that's the skill tilt weight It is the most powerful sort of magic possible, uh, which the subtitling does point out the thing that they point in the game that the spell of tilt weight um, is basically the equivalent of having a nuclear blast. So they they call it that they actually. Uh, if you give me one sec, I can actually find the description that they say in the manual. Uh, also, if you were mentioning that the Mermasa blade uh, does ten d five and has three additional swings. Yeah. So. As well as a plus eight to hit. I definitely didn't go to Game Facts just to look up this information. Uh, like the thing about wizardry is that a good number of Japanese RPGs are very heavily inspired by it. Okay, I apparently have misplaced my copy of wizardry, but anyway, uh, I believe in the manual they describe it that basically what it does is that it's actually a two-part spell. Uh, the first part is to cast a shield on the party to make sure that they are not hurt by the blast, and the second part is natural thermonuclear blast. I think it does... Yep. I believe it is 8d10 is what the damage on it Jesus. is. Uh, it is a massively powerful spell. Uh, uh, what's the name of the spell again? Tilt-O-Weight. T-I-L-T-O-W-E-I-T. how much the Muramasa Blade does uh, to chat. Lolo, and it's 10d5 damage and three additional swings. Oh, right. Oh, uh, yeah, because Wizardry is one of those things that it, uh, as you get stronger, you do more slashes. But uh, yeah, uh, it's a, it is a very powerful sword. Uh, it, it's not that it does a dice; it's ten to hundred points of damage to all monsters. Oh yeah. So, yeah, uh, Randy's super dead. Um, and uh, basically, right after that, um, so one other thing that uh, Shin basically comes back, even though he's missing his arm, kind of slashes into Randy. Uh, which makes him scream more. Which, by the way, uh, there is a reason why Randy does a of lot of very good screaming. Uh, he is voiced by one Norio Wakamoto, who it's so good. Uh, is I don't know if if there's a he's you a can assign him to a legend. Role. Yeah, he is. Who he is. Yeah, and he is very good at doing a whole lot of very booming voices. He is one of the most incredible Japanese voice actors there is. Yes. Uh, and uh, they have him doing nothing but screaming, and I'm not, I am not—I—I cannot be happier for that. Why don't you mention some of his big roles? Because he's uh, done a lot. I, I was going to say, when I was looking through it, I just didn't even, like, see what else. Because I just know that he is so... I would, it would just be a massive list. Um, uh, a good one to mention might Cell be from- M. Bison. Oh, M. Bison, Cell... Uh, Chiyo-chan's dad and Azumanga Daio. Uh, Yoshimitsu in Soul Calibur. Huh. Apparently he I... plays Father Balder in Bayonetta for the Japanese version. Uh, I think he was the Emperor in uh, Code Geass. Uh, oh, also the narrator in Scryde. Uh, also, he's Dracula in the Castlevania games. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Of course. Of course he is. But yes, he is a very... Powerful actor, voice actor. He's prolific, but also he's fucking incredible. Yes. Um, 
So yeah, the, that is the end of Randy, where uh, Sheila now brings, or basically takes the necklace off his neck to kind of keep as a memento of him. Uh, and also, right after that, uh, basically, they're like, uh, Jews is like, oh, uh, go fetch me Shin's arm, which they do. Uh, and basically just kind of plops that thing back onto him uh, using a uh, healing spell, uh, which they kind of realize at that point that Jews is kind of about like he is almost out of power like he is very close to dying (laughs) um which after that once they get him all patched up uh shin takes the muramasa blade and starts to use it which i'm guessing makes him somewhat of a samurai although really neither alex or shin ever use magic so they could just be fighters or it just could be they did decide not to um, but anyway, well, uh, cause like the Muramasa blade is samurai only. So yeah. Um, let me tell you about, oh, okay. Samurai can use long swords. Yes. Samurai can use pretty much any weapon. So yeah. Yeah. They didn't, uh, they did not get, uh, the samurai part of that class in wizardry until the very later ones. Okay. Um, cause that's what I always associate with the class. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's they didn't start doing that until much later on in the series. Um, but anyway, um, after that, uh, they kind of walk into the next room and realize, oh, there's Werdna and his vampire lord. Um, so then that starts kind of the last fight in which they are all fighting. Um, and basically, the vampire lord is actually goes up to Alex and basically level drains him. Which is a thing that you can do and have happen in the game. But they just straight up take some of its power. Um, and then uh, this is where Sheila decides to um, realize that, oh, right, you're undead, aren't you? Just dispel him immediately. Just like, it's like, oh, right, you're undead, and just zaps him out of existence. It's um, pretty fucking good. I forget what the name of the spell was. I believe it's Kalki? I don't remember the spell names. They were just... Me... Yeah, it is, because in the original Wizardry, I believe it was a case where the spell names were intentionally weird because they wanted to use it as copy protection because you had to type in the spell. Um, uh, It's Zilwan. Zilwan, yes, which I believe is a six... It's an instant kill on Undead. Instant kill on Undead, I believe it is. A, is it a level six? Yes. Three? Yeah. So, yeah, that... Basically gets zapped. Um, but then they have Wardna to deal with, who almost immediately after that, or it's either before, like, once they get in the room or right after they kill the Vampire Lord, just, just, Wardna does usually what he does in the game, which is cast a tilt weight almost immediately. That, that messes them up pretty bad. Uh, Albert in particular, who actually dies. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, and, but then, uh, once Juza uh, sees that he's bit, he's died, uh, actually casts D on him, which brings him back to life. Uh, but that pretty much sacrifices all of Juza's strength. Uh, and he and dies. He dies. So, uh, then uh, Sheila gets pissed off at this, uh, casts a spell Mahanan at Wernah, uh, which does nothing because uh, Mah- uh, Muhammad 
in the original game uh, is a spell that does can have like one of seven, I believe, things happen to it. And if it works or if it does on enemies, it could, I believe, potentially silence all enemies or do a lot of damage. Uh, so basically the effects it can do are augment magic. So spells do more damage uh, or cure more. Cure the party. Silence enemies. Teleport enemies. Heal the party. Um, because it's Muhammad, it has two additional effects that it could possibly do, which are protect the party, dropping everyone's uh, armor class by 20 points, which... Very good. Um, and raise the dead. Yes. Uh, uh, and I think what it did was protect the party in this case. It could have. Yeah. But also, uh, it causes her to pass out, which kind of is reflecting a uh, thing with Mahanan, the way it works, uh, is the fact that uh, whenever you use it, you get knocked down a level and you forget the spell. Mm-hmm. But in the game, you could just level up and learn it again. So it really doesn't matter. Uh, that's actually an effect of the base spell additionally i might that add. too um so after that happens um that is also when uh the big anime stuff happens uh in which shin the, i have the note here in my notes as uh shin gets hyper beam aka muramasa blade because that is basically mm-hmm. what happens uh is that shin unlocks the power of the muramasa blade and kills the hell out of word <laughs> And the most important note about the Murmasa blade is it makes the just the most blade, bladed Star Wars lightsaber noises as they could get without getting any sort of legal trouble. Legally distinct lightsaber <laughs> noises. Yes, from this katana. Um, so yeah, uh, they end up winning over Wordna, uh, and after that, uh, you see a shot of them. Uh, they get the amulet. But then it starts to de- it deactivates, so the word the amulet no longer has its power, which that means they don't have to worry about Wordna using it to destroy the world, uh, which I guess they can return or do what they did and just keep it. Um, uh, and then we get to my favorite twist in the entire fucking thing. Yes. So after that, they leave, and then uh, they get a, you get a shot of them standing by two gravestones. Um, Basically, they have buried both Randy and Juza, which they make a point in this it, that here that I love because it is going back to that thing of them taking the game mechanics to heart a little a bit because there's a mechanic in wizardry that you normally don't see very often. And that is the fact that characters can die of old age. Uh, they specifically mentioned that they brought Juza's body, like Albert is very angry at the Temple of Kant because they couldn't revive him because Juza got too old. Because when you die, you slightly age a little bit in the game. And he was at the point where he could no longer be revived. He died of old age and it is amazing. <laughs> yep. So yeah, uh, so he is, they could not do anything about him. Although they didn't go into anything, I would be interesting to see if they, um, uh, the other way that you cannot die is that actually if you, you, because when you do a healing spell or a revival spell, you actually have a chance to fail. And if you fail reviving someone, they turn to dust, which means that they can't be revived. So, and apparently that can also happen at the Temple of Kant, but that means you have to, you just have to pay extra to get them revived. But anyway, so yeah, Jews is dead. Um, and they also bury the amulet with him. So that is how 
this thing ends. They don't return to the King Trebor. And then essentially they realize, oh, wait, that was our main source of income gone. Uh, so they basically do the thing of, oh, hey, let's just go on more adventures. And you see. Uh, what are you going to say? I was going to say also quick, quick uh, addendum. Uh, if they are ashed, turn to ash. It's specifically not dust. There okay. is still a spell that can bring them back. Uh, which is Cadordo. But the problem is that can just completely delete an Ashed character. Yep. So, yeah, after they basically decide, oh, let's go on more adventures, and then it ends uh, with actual music, which I have written that the song that plays at the end is Distance by Hiroko Ka- uh, Kasahara. I am not familiar if this is a- that was actually written for this thing. Uh, also, I could not find a version of it, so I cannot play it for you now. So, also, I probably should not do that because that's going to get me in trouble at one point. Yes, I'm sure it'll be fun. Uh, but yes, that is how this ends. Which also, one thing that I would say that is in Wizardry's favor is the fact that it's 50 minutes long. Yes, mm-hmm. big time. I- I was going to say, I think we are going to end up talking about it for the exact amount of time that the thing actually ran for. It's great, too, because it's so, like, condensed that stuff is, it never stops happening, basically. Yeah. Uh, You don't have weird uh, sit-down, talk-about-political nonsense and weird romance hijinks. You just have nothing non-stop actual things happening. Which is great. (laughs) It's it's nice because it's all, it's well-paced. We don't have to worry about just and, and, it, and when there's downtime, down, the downtime feels necessary, and like it's a choice instead of, uh, we got this much, we have a we have a quota to fill. Uh, what do we do? What do we do? Also, like even without knowing about the game and the game mechanics, it's still like an okay fantasy thing. It, yeah, it's, yeah, it is a okay romp. It is like it's like especially that's why I mentioned. Um, uh, with Juza's role as an narrator of Record of the Lost War, because that is also a, it's just, it would fit in, I mean, Record of the Lost War is probably a little better, but um, yeah, it would fit right in. You don't need, you could probably release this without any title of wizardry and it'd be, oh, it's very similar to it, but it's not, you don't have to have nostalgia for wizardry to enjoy it. Like it is definitely writing on that familiar, like that nostalgia. I guess really not nostalgia because it just came out. The familiarity, yeah. Um, you don't have to be super familiar with wizardry to enjoy it, which is nice. Um, which I should point out, like, and if you, it does have the thing where if you're familiar with the games, it's like, oh hey, there's that thing. You can, it's, it's neat, but not too terribly like pandery so yeah uh i guess that's really all that really needs to be said about wizardry so why don't we just go ahead and rank it so so uh really uh let's just bring up the rank uh the ranking guide so how we're going to do this is that we have a scale from technically 1 to 21 although there are some special cases 
uh, with one being what we consider universal mastercraft, which is basically you cannot get any better than this, and it's op and it's something that can be enjoyed by practically anyone. Uh, to the very bottom, which is twenty one, which is don't even bother, which it's not even worth a. It's not you can't even get any enjoyment like ironically watching it. It is just completely terrible. Um, so um, we only really have one other entry in this list, uh, and that is the one we look at in the very first episode, which is Salamander. Uh, based on Gradius, Life Force, and Gradius 2, uh, which we have ranked at a 15. Um, I can I already tell this you is... this is substantially better than Salamander. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say like a 9 or a 10, personally. Yeah, that's about the same where I'd say 9 or a 10. Yeah, because um, 11 is an, basically, 11 is the midpoint, which is what we have listed as enjoyably adequate. Um, and I would definitely say that um, 9 to 10 is a pretty good uh, position. Uh, 8 is listed as above average, uh, which is a pretty good spot for it. Because as much as we say that it's perfectly competent, it's still not super, like... It, like, it doesn't do anything interesting or, like, break the mold or isn't, like... I wouldn't call it exceptional, but it's interesting enough it does what it needs to do yeah yes it executes on it executes competently and without like any major flaws so it could be done I, a lot worse yeah no I'd but i feel like this is also gonna be the as good as it gets yes yeah so i'd probably say like a 10 that let's as a if we had to choose a hard number i'd say 10 yeah i think 10 is probably a good spot for it so uh, this is currently going in what we have listed as the resonance list, which is how well does this anime res resonate with the original game. So Incredibly. Have, yes. <laughs> I mean, in that sense, yes, but also just in terms of quality. We have just called Wizardry, but this is based on Wizardry. Proving rounds of the... Just barely at the... Short it time. fits, it fits, it's fine, it's fine. You baby. <laughs> so yes, uh, also this is going to be episode 3 of Media Delta. This came out in 1991, which the animation, one thing that we haven't noted on is the animation quality, which is, it's decent. I'd say it's probably better than Salamander. Uh, so it's not amazing, but it works. Uh, it is perfectly competent for direct-to-video. Yeah. This is... By, Oop, not that. Oop, not that. Not that. Whoop. Um, just trying to remember what the button is. There. Shunyu Fujioka, which I I can just take from this. Uh, do do So. Uh, oh, I can just take it from this. Um, yeah, still getting used to how this thing's gonna work. And this is this is an OVA. Um, mm -hmm. genre. Let's see. What do we got here? This is high fantasy. Fantasy. I think I do. I think I have a. Yes, I have a faint. Uh, and that is also where our tone. Uh, this is definitely a tone of high fantasy. Where is my little elf dude? There it is. Um. So, would you rather? So would you say that the OVA of Wizardry uh, is a more competent production than the actual game itself? No, actually, I think they're about on par. Yeah, they're about the same. Like, I 
especially the wizardry that this game refers to, I either or is about the same for me. Because one thing I'd like to point out is that the wizardry, uh, the game itself, is currently sitting at a, actually at a fifteen uh, in our command mm. list. Um, because it is the thing with wizardry that if you're taking uh, in comparison to modern games, is that wizardry uh, coming out originally in 1981 uh, is pretty archaic uh it is also very difficult like to that i say like it was a perfectly fine watch but my thing is like it just felt like a romp through wizardry yeah so i can definitely see that it being the same because the thing is with an ova it's a lot easier to watch just this than it is to actually play a game that in some cases outright hates you yeah no it caught the feeling pretty well though yeah. Content um, gore. Yes, it is very gory. Um, yes, it is very gory. Um, in terms of calling out things like the music, the charm, the cinematography, the story itself, the action, or the art, the artistry, uh, is there anything we'd want to call out? I, I'd say yeah. charm, honestly. Yeah, that's about the only thing. Like I once again, it, it like perfectly captures what a wizard rerun would feel like honestly yeah that is one thing i do like that it actually kind of keeps a little bit almost a little bit too literally to the game which actually kind of makes it more enjoyable in a way yeah um and actually i do one thing i do want to call out is i do want to call its length out uh as positive uh the fact that it is only 50 minutes long it is exactly as long as it needs to be mm-hmm um, like it which, cuts out a lot of cruft that you would get if you want to really play wizardry straight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's nice to know something that knows exactly how long. Because even like if we think about going back to Salamander, one episode is the length of one the the entire wizardry OVA, and they still did not have enough content in those to cover that entire 150 length or minute episode. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably good for wizardry because um, I think that we kind of covered kind of everything. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's wizardry. Um, so I guess with that, uh, that is going to do it for us talking about wizardry. So Carnival and Torpo, is there anything you want to plug before we leave uh, this episode? I guess I'll plug Boogeyman Buddies, an actual play podcast that Torpo and I are on. Yep, that is having, and it is a podcast that has many different, it is a tabletop podcast that has many different arcs, um, many different stories, and many different games. So, uh, is there anything you want to plug, Torpo? Uh, these holes in my body from all these swords. Okay, yeah, that's, you should probably do that. Um, and while you do that, uh, you all can... I hope you can sit in anticipation because our next episode is talking about something very... that I was very happy... Or I didn't realize that when we originally looked at it, but is very thankful for because... Um, as this is based off of games that we ranked, uh, one of the more the games that I think is sitting at the very bottom of the attack list, or actually no, I think it's the resist list, is a little game that is called Dirty Pair Project Eden for the Famicom Disk System, um, Which, and that is going to be 
what we talk about next episode. So I, was I gonna hope... say, which is a shame because that is a series that is near and dear to both me and Lola. Yes. Um, so I hope you will stay tuned for us to talk about next week. Dirty Pair, Project Eden. Thank you all for listening to Media Delta. If you want to see the full ranking list for yourself, you can go to r3.ldp.life in your browser, and that will take you straight to the list. If you would like to watch Retro Rank Rhapsody, this show's sister series in which we play the games that the shows that we are talking about on Media Delta are based on, you can watch them be recorded live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Episodes are recorded live at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fridays, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturdays, and 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sundays. Or, alternatively, you can watch all episodes on YouTube by going to youtube.ltp.life. You can follow the show's Twitter by going to at HazeltownStory, or my personal Twitter, at LoloDePuzzlo. If you want to discuss the show with others, you can join the official Discord channel by going to discord.ldp.life in your browser, where you can also vote in polls to determine what episodes will be coming next for both RetroRank Rhapsody and Media Delta. Again, thank you all for listening, and I hope that you come back for the next episode.